0: Well, hello, and welcome to yet another episode of contemplating resonance. Um, I have no idea what episode number this is going to be because this will because in theory we're going to alternate between me talking and me talking to someone else, and um, I don't have another episode of just me talking recorded yet, so we'll see what happens. So this could be three, this could be four. don't know um. And I have a guest, and I promised I would not do what I did last time, which is forget to ask the exact pronunciation of the name. I'm going to say Hannah O'Neill. Is that close? That's me trying to be, um, I'm trying to not like totally Americanize, but just Hannah. Um, Is that like, does that ever happen? I don't know.
1: That definitely happens.
0: That definitely happens. Okay, well, I'm not the first. So anyway, I ran across Hannah, 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 something I can't now. I'm gonna think about it the next hour. (laughs) Hannah's good. Hannah's good. Okay, cool. We'll just we'll just Hannah. I'll just try not to go over crazy with the A. Um, so I again I brought this up a little bit on the last episode, but um, I had completely nuked my social media. I had nothing for almost a year. And then I went to this thing called Theology Beer Camp. Uh, and it seems like all roads are leading from this place called Beer Camp, which is kind of funny. Going to have to let Trip Fuller know that one. Speaking of Trip, if you're listening, I need to get you on the show. Um, you're probably not listening, though, but somebody who knows you probably is. So you should come talk to me. And. um so a lot of that group was on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. I really want to keep up with these people. So fine, I'm going to dirty myself and put myself back on social media again. And the cool thing is I have no like algorithmic history anymore. So I'm starting from scratch and picking up a group of people that starts filling my feed with everybody's deconstructing and and doing all kinds of fun stuff and I came across very early in that journey, April Ajoy, who makes some of the most hilarious um, content for people like us, um, and it turned out I figured out eventually. Oh, you have a podcast, and so that's called Evangelicalish. And then I'm like going through. It's like I'll pick a random. Oh, cool. This is what What is a suburban witch? Interesting. Let's check this out. And then I and then I find him, and um and then I found all of your content and kind of uh, just dove headfirst into the rabbit hole. So I will let you introduce yourself and tell us, you know, a little bit about what's down that rabbit hole, I guess.
1: Yeah. So I am Hannah, the Suburban Witch. I have a business called Suburban Witchery, which is basically just the title for all of my witchy stuff. Everything that I, I think falls under that, which includes... Tarot, divination, astrology, exvangelical stuff, helping people to deconstruct the way I have deconstructed or the way I'm still deconstructing. I think it's something that probably doesn't really end. Kind of like when people Mm. go on a healing journey, that healing doesn't really end. You're never fully healed, never fully deconstructed. There's always something. Uh, But I don't think that's a deterrent. I think that's a good thing. Uh so I do lots of witchy stuff. I do lots of magical stuff, uh spiritual stuff, psychic stuff, kind of everything that the church would say is wrong and evil and demonic is basically how I feel my days and it is so much fun. <laughs> mm. So that's a bit about Isn't me. It I mean though? Yeah, is it, it is. It I'm though? I'm in Australia, so uh there's that aspect as well. So we have I have most of my clients are in the US, but we have a different wheel of the year. Obviously we have different seasons. So there's a few differences and I try to cater for that as well. And the differences in other areas of the world and how to make a spiritual practice that aligns with where you are and where you are on your journey and in the world and all of that as well.
0: Yeah. I'll be honest with you. That was one of the things that attracted me to you is that um, multiple times you would talk. I live in Australia. We we're on a different time. And then, But you went to the effort to actually, you know, do the work for both sides of the earth. Yeah. Like, okay, someone who's going to do that is clearly serious about what they're doing. (laughs) So I want to listen and hear more.
1: It's made a difference. (laughs) So one of my good friends, Mortellus, who I've had on my podcast, which is called Witch Talks. So Mortellus has written two books uh, on necromancy. Well, the first one is on pagan funeral rites and the second one is on necromancy. It's called The Bones Fall in a Spiral. And when I was chatting with Mortellus about this book, they mentioned the Wheel of the Year and some things in there about it. And I said, oh, I hope, and they cut me off straight away. I went, don't worry, Hannah, I have listened to you and I've included the Southern Hemisphere as well. So it's making an impact because unfortunately folks in the southern hemisphere which is not just australia we have southern parts of africa we have south america we have southeast asia we have lots of areas in the world where we're on a totally flipped wheel of the year so everything is the opposite and we often get forgotten about it's very uk and north america centralized i guess in a lot of the pagan content Mm -hmm. and books and all of that sort of thing so it's good to make people aware that yeah there's an opposite side to it but also that people who live on the equator they don't really have the changes in seasons like we see the further apart you get from the equator so there's also this other aspect where there isn't really the differences in seasons so they don't have the standard wheel of the year and instead of having you know winter and summer and things like the summer solstice and the winter solstice because there's no difference in the time of day that the sun goes up and down because they're around the center there They have things like the wet season and the dry season, and you got to kind of work in with that instead. So it's just helping people know that they can change these things and you don't have to celebrate the wrong seasons for your area to be a good witch.
0: Yeah. I, I think that, and again, this is something that I found a little bit different. This is my second time around. Um, I, I don't even know that I would say I'm dabbling anymore. I, I think I've, I think I've, I'm less. I think I'm more than dabbling at this point. But I did dabble many, many moons ago when I was um, a teenager, and um, and I had um, a book. Actually, I have it right over here. So let's do visual aids. Um, yes, here we go. I think I mentioned this to you. Oh, I'm on a stool, so it's kind of and I'm also my, I don't know why, but like I got a Charlie horse last night. And so like hopping in and out of the store right now is painful. Um, so this is the book, um, that I was talking about true magic. And this is the first edition. There's a second edition that looks quite a bit more modern. Um, but I wanted the one that I had. Um, and, and, and when it came, I read it in like less than a day. Um, because a, it was like, I'm like really interested in this stuff again, but also it was like I was reliving this very hidden part of my childhood because I didn't want anybody to know that I was touching a book about witchcraft. Like, like, I can't
1: believe you even touched it. And I was kind of
0: freaked out and spooked by it. Like, like, like if I, um, if I'm even if I'm reading this book, like is, is something gonna like, you know, pop out of it and get me? Like this was the kind of stuff that was in my head because I mean you hear enough of it growing up at, and and you're told, no, yeah, this is all real. You're like, okay, well, if this is all real and all this stuff that they say is demonic is really demonic, then A, why am I interested in it? And B, but it's the devil, right? This stuff is in your head, and it just mm-hmm. kind of it 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 messes with you a little bit. But at the same time, I was like, "But it's so cool, and it's so interesting, and it's so like, it even though it's evil, it feels not so evil, right?" Um, and and ultimately, I don't know what caused me to put that away. I don't remember exactly what it was, but at some point, I put it away. It's probably and, guilt or shame again, as I was. More than likely. And, 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 and to talk to my therapist, um, you know, those, those are big topics that we discuss yeah. on a regular basis these days. Um, and, um, but, but as I was getting back into this witchcraft conversation, um, the book started calling to me and I was like, I need to get it again. And I was like, I don't even know if my parents would still have it. If like, they even know I had it. I was Like, do you have my books? Like I don't know, so I just bought it and I, and I read it again, and I was just like, "This is it." Just I don't know. It was a very powerful moment to connect what I'm doing now to what I was doing then. And then, then there's this weird interim period that you know is kind of the topic of of contemplating resonance itself. So anyway, um, I talk about my stories all the time. Um, I want to hear more. I've heard I've heard bits and pieces of your story. I guess. Um, cause you, you talk about it a lot and, and I listened to specifically the episode that you did, um, on religious trauma mm-hmm. and I've queued up questions for that, but I think we'll probably end up getting into a lot of it, just freewheeling. So, um, like where, where, where did you get started and then how did you end up here? Like what, what's that story?
1: The uh, evangelical to witch pipeline is very real. It does exist. (laughs) Uh, But unfortunately it does exist (laughs) the opposite way as well, which I'm sure you may have seen. Uh, But it's usually folks that that were raised similarly and never really deconstructed, never took the time to deconstruct, and they get drawn back into it. So I grew up in an AOG church, which is an Assemblies of God church. It's a Pentecostal church church and then that church ended up going to the ACC, which is Australian Christian Churches uh, which was run by Hillsong. So Hillsong started up this group called Australian Christian Churches and you would be a member of that group. We were a member and then Hillsong obviously didn't like having a sort of a, a governing body attached to them so they exited out of the group that they created and became their own entity and their own thing. So uh, that was interesting to watch play out. But growing up, Hillsong, to me, was we were told that Hillsong was like a sister church. So if you know Hillsong, as most people do, they are global. That was kind of the vibe that we had at our church, just a little bit smaller. We used to go to Hillsong every year. We'd go to the Women's Colour Conference, which... Look, look, we loved, we had so much fun. And now I look back at it and my mom and I joke about it because we're (laughs) like, we did have a lot of fun. We do really miss that. And I think the things we miss are the the connection we had to other people in a shared space, which, yeah, it was fun. We got to go on a trip, go on a plane, go stay in a hotel, like take time off work or school. Of course that's fun, right? Um, But then we also look back at the fact that uh, Bobby Houston, who would run them at the time, would tell – women to submit to their husbands and how to be a good wife was to never say no to your husband and all sorts of horribly wrong things in hindsight, especially the fact that I was a young preteen girl going to these conferences. Like
0: I didn't need to be hearing that. <laughs>
1: like What? So uh, yes, there was, there was that aspect um, in, it's in not, my, it's
0: not a good look.
1: No, not at all. And it was funny because growing up in <laughs> in this church, right? we, we were not allowed, of course we were allowed, but it was not really allowed. It's that weird line. We weren't really allowed to associate with people who weren't in the church unless you were actively trying to evangelize them and get them to come to church, right? So we had only friends that were in the church. We only really went to church events and activities. We hung out with you know, family members, they were all in the church. The only family I had that wasn't Christian, we didn't see, and they were literally talked to me as like the black sheep of the family. Oh, no, we don't. Oh, not them. No, we don't hang out with them. They were actually really cool. Okay. Anyway, so there was a lot of that control about the people you're hanging out with, and we went to a Christian school, didn't learn evolution because that was demonic. We learned creationism. So this was kind of this bubble, that I grew up in. It was an absolute bubble. I didn't know anything different than what I was told, which is indoctrination, right? <sighs> um, I was a yep. questioner. I would question everything and get told to doubt my doubts, not my fe- not my um faith. So that was fun. Uh, especially as a neurodivergent, undiagnosed kid. Didn't make a lot of sense. So I questioned a lot, but I had to sort of push it down and figured it was just me, right? It's just obviously something's wrong with me. Everyone else is fine with it it's just me i'm the i'm the problem here which is i think one of those control tactics yeah. that the church really loves to to utilize and it takes a long time to realize that as well but we went we went to church growing up every every sunday obviously but we also had prayer group or small group on a, on a wednesday night and then as i got a little bit older i started going to teen the teen group on a friday night which is youth group and then also going to the Sunday night services. So that was four times a week at church, plus my five days a week at Christian school during the week, um, which, yeah, sometimes we'd all go from Did school. Did they start and...
0: comping your room eventually?
1: Or... <sighs> yeah, I know, right? And the, we weren't even close to our church. <laughs> our church was like a 35-minute drive away, and that was without oh, traffic. you too? Yeah, like <laughs> – to drive into the city to go to this this big church. And it was big. It was, you know, maybe two thousand people in the church. And that would pack out every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. And then they ended up adding Saturday night sessions. And I think now they've got extra campuses. Like they've expanded so much throughout my home state. There's like a bunch of different ones you can go to for the same church. And they've got a YouTube channel, they got all the stuff. It's really weird to look back on, actually. Well, I think that's the
0: thing now, is, like, there's not... I have noticed, even here, like, the trend seems to be not anymore to have, like, one big central location, but to have, like, just dozens of Mm -hmm. these little smaller ones. But then they all, like, watch the same one on video if you're yeah. not like the main one or like they rotate around whatever it is it's like oh we can cover more geography mm. if we
1: more people um, yeah like it's well,
0: it's a it's a it's a good tactic
1: <laughs> yeah if it's hard for people to get to church then yeah absolutely you bring the church to them basically right. is what they're doing uh, i think as well the the youtube aspect obviously coming out of uh, the pandemic but I see that also as a form of this liturgical enculturation that we see with the music from Hillsong. That's the the way of bringing mm. the church up to date and making it feel cool and relevant. There's there's a big issue at the moment with one of our radio stations here. It's a uh, ABC radio called Triple J, and they're meant to be just like the free to air radio that we we can listen to. And Hillsong have got a lot of their songs up on there now, which it's not a Christian station, and they're really heavily promoting it. There's some, you know, people overseeing. Look, where, where's this money coming from? It's uh, it's all getting all funky. So I think that's another thing that's happening more. But they and don't more. pay taxes. Um. Anyway, so yes, lots and lots of church growing up. Um, <laughs> well, I was sort of labelled um as this like questioning kid, but also I was a very good kid at the same time. I like had the two sides of the coin, until teenage life, and then I was pushing a lot of boundaries. Um, but ultimately, when my when my parents divorced, I ended up choosing to live with my mother, and we ended up getting kicked out of the church because we were living in sin. My dad could still go, my brother could still go, mm. uh, but me and my mum could not. And I have a very strong sense of justice, and that was not right <laughs> because suddenly the only people that I knew in my life... No ripped away right uh the habits that you form around going to church so frequently around seeing these people all the time gone overnight basically family friends lifelong friends that we'd had wouldn't talk to me I had to change schools because the girls were told you can't hang out with Hannah like no her her family's living in sin you can't hang out with Hannah so I had to change schools I went to a Catholic school that Catholic school was way better the religious studies class at the Catholic school taught morals and ethics, and you weren't told what to think. You were asked what you think, and then we all debated it. And that was the very first time I, I remember in the religious studies class that we did something on, uh, I think it was on abortion, and I stood up and was like, oh, obviously it's completely wrong, It's and it was verbatim what the church had said. It was not It wasn't my own opinion. I tried to pretend it was, but it totally wasn't. And that was the first time I ever had a teacher turn around and be like, well, where'd you learn that? Why do you think that? What about this? What about this? And she, like, harassed me over it. And everyone in the class was basically against me. It was the first time I'd sort of felt this, like, wait, am I wrong? Wait a minute, am I wrong? Um, And I thought it was really surprising because I'm like, aren't you all meant to be Christian? You're all Catholic. What are you doing? You're supposed to be with me on this. But most of the kids at that school didn't actually go to church. Um, So that was a almost like trial by fire in that aspect because it actually made me question why I believed these things. And when we started getting into the morals and the ethics around it Mm. and I guess the empathy side of things as well, that's when that started to shift and other things started to shift as well. Um, Oh, God, it's really cringy, but I had like a climate change essay that I had to write on. And I wrote that climate change was a hoax <laughs> that, um you know it's it, I basically was the only one in this class yet again because I had no science understanding I'd never learnt science um I was the only one in this this entire class that was saying, you know, Cl-, you know climate change isn't real, you're all a bunch of sheep, <laughs> says the christian um." And yeah, they they took me to town on that one as well. It's very very cringy, but that was that was a good way for me to learn with a lot of peer pressure, (laughs) challenging my beliefs. Um, Because I think without that, I probably wouldn't have questioned it. And sometimes you have to question these things. And it's funny because as you say, you were you were interested in all of these things growing up, like this sort of spookier witchy side. And obviously, you're not allowed to do any of that. I was very similar in that aspect. I always wanted to know more i remember you know secretly reading the horoscopes in my teen magazine even though i knew i wasn't supposed to read that Mm. page but i always felt incredibly guilty incredibly evil for even contemplating that so it would be like this i really want to read it and then i'd read it and be like oh my gosh i have to throw this entire magazine in the trash how dare i i'm gonna have to pray all night now to you know repent from what i've just done by reading yes a magazine, right? It's it's really screwed up when you look back on that. I can't imagine putting my kids through that. You know, that sort of those deep feelings of guilt and shame over reading a magazine. No,
0: absolutely not.
1: But it was tricky. It was tricky. I, it was mean, tricky. I,
0: I I can imagine it for you because we did some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't. I won't. I won't. I won't lie. This is a this is a truth unvarnished podcast and. Uh, yeah, like we there were things that were forbidden in my household mm-hmm. when the kids were very young that looking back, I'm like just wanna go back and smack myself. Like yep. just what's wrong with you? Like there I mean I don't know that person very well anymore. That's the other thing that's very difficult. Um, is like getting myself into the headspace of the person who said those things. Like mm. I I, it's so, like, it's being rejected by the host mind, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel that with my so, mom. So, yeah, like.
1: Um, like, my mom now is deconstructing. It's taken her a lot longer than me to get to this point, and that was with a lot of prodding from me uh, and resistance from her, but she's she's really come around, and I think a lot of that had to do with if she, acknowledged or started to deconstruct she would have to acknowledge her actions raising us and I think it made her very aware of how it actually impacted us growing up and being brought up in this right and when I say to her I think teaching the idea of heaven and hell to children is traumatic she sees originally she saw that as an attack on her and her parenting now she realises, no, it's an attack of the church, which you were also a victim of. So it's not on you. You were doing mm. what you thought was best. So that's been helpful for both of us, and we've both really bonded over the uh, the deconstruction process, absolutely. Uh, but it's, you know, there's so many things that, that the church used to teach. We watched, um, what was it, the Smiling Happy Faces, Families? Smiling Happy Faces, is it that one? Have you watched that? The
0: the the, the Duggers? is that the Duggar one?
1: Yes, that one. Yes. So when that came out, I had recently released my religious trauma episode and told my mum to go listen to it. She listened mm-hmm. to it and came back. I I basically said, "Oh, what did you think?" Like I was really excited and really proud of it. And she's like, "Oh no, I I really like Hillsong music. I didn't I didn't agree with anything you said." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, you're not ready." And then a couple of weeks later. She came back and told me she'd been listening to all of these podcasts about cults and I think then she was like, now I'm sort of ready. But it, it it just came a little bit too early for her. Anyway, then we decided to sit down and watch that Shiny Happy People and as we're watching it, we had to keep pausing it and she'd turn to me and go, we used to do that. Oh, my God, we used to do that. And I'm like, but we weren't in this type of church. Yeah. We weren't in the the." quiverful movement and she's like no but we used to do the thing where we'd all bring the blanket and sit you guys on the floor at church and you weren't allowed to go off that blanket she's like we didn't do the making you try it and then hitting you so you'd go back on and learn that way she's like that's like a more extreme version they're showing but we did the blanket thing she's like oh my god what did i do and it just was really fascinating watching her go through that uh learning about that little image that you see with the big umbrella the Godhead image. So there's the umbrella, which has the man, the husband of the house, and then the little umbrella underneath, mm. which is the woman. And then the little kids underneath it. Right. And God's over the top, that image, which I recognized immediately. I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. I don't know where I saw it. Did we put it up on the screen? Was it in a pamphlet? I have no idea. I just know the image. I know the concept. And my mum did as well. We're both like, I don't know where it was, but it was in the church frequently. That was what we were taught, the women's places in the home, looking after the children, blah, blah, blah. And then we learnt from this this uh, TV series that that wasn't even biblical. <laughs> it was made up by some dude named uh, Bill Gothard and uh, was very American. And we're like, how did we even get this in yeah. Australia? And, yeah, it's not based in, in anything biblical. So I think watching other people go through similar, um, you know, even though that might be a more extreme version of cult-like mentality, those same ideas and concepts come across, even if you think your church is not that bad, right? So I think that was key for both of us as well, seeing these little crossovers. And, oh, they used to tell us that too. Oh, okay, I understand how that can come across. So I think that's been interesting. Obviously, that's a later story. So you sort of had the the start and the end. The middle section, though, so we got kicked out of church. Um, I'd already at this point been struggling with uh, mental illness and A lot of that, I think, stemming from undiagnosed uh, autism and ADHD, which we obviously didn't know back then, especially being a girl in the 90s. (laughs) But uh, I'd been been struggling for a while, and uh, my mom had taken me to a prayer group where they did like an exorcism on me and tried to get the devils out of me. Terrifying at the age of 14, didn't work, (laughs) which kind of made me feel worse. yeah, so we'd done all of that and then suddenly the church is ripped away and I'm left with like, well, what, now what? And because I felt so angry at the church, I did go into this atheist mindset for a little while, like, well, fine, screw it. I guess none of that's mm. real then. And I think that's common. I think a lot of people do that. They just completely push back. Uh, then I, I realised, no, I, I I don't fully believe that. I don't fully believe there's nothing So I went into the agnostic sort of mindset and I sat there for a long time. That agnostic idea If people asked me, you Mm. know, are you religious? What do you believe in? I'd say, I'm not religious, but I believe there's something. I just don't know what it is yet. So that was kind of where I was, but I wasn't searching for anything. I wasn't looking to replace the spirituality or the religion I'd grown up in at all. Instead, I was focused on um, really just exploring the things I hadn't been allowed to in a way that maybe raised my mother's eyebrows, but um, I was enjoying it. So I was t- started reading Anne Rice and all of her vampire novels and watching True Blood and mm-hmm. uh, watching things that had witches in it. I read Harry Potter. Like I did all of the things that I'd been told were evil and wrong and I wasn't allowed to. And then I really enjoyed them. I was like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with me? <laughs> I really like this stuff. <laughs> but it was it was fun. <laughs> I was able to to explore that in a little bit more of a safer zone and figure out what I actually liked, because I didn't know what I liked. That's what the church does. It tells you what to like. Whereas this was a process of me finding myself through what I liked. Travel helped with that as well. And then when I was traveling, I, I ended up moving to Canada for a couple of years and working over there, meeting my husband, now husband um, at the time, boyfriend. And I remember after we'd been dating for a year and he was very staunchly atheist. Very scientific-minded. His dad's, mm. like, an engineer. His mom's a pharmacist, so he's very, like... He went to university. I never went to university because it wasn't really prided... It wasn't a prideful thing for girls to go to university. Like, it was kind of like, oh, no, no, you grow up and you get married and you have babies. All the women in my church married in their very early 20s. Yeah, that's
0: the thing that I always found weird. Yeah. I always found that weird. It's like, we we have this weird thing here where, like, girls are actually expected... You're supposed to excel and and actually beat the stuffing out of the boys academically. But then when you're done, you're supposed to get married and go have babies. And so you're supposed to like waste (laughs) all that education. And I'm like, to me, that's even, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say which is worse, but Mm -hmm. it's just like, huh? Yeah. Why? Why is that just like, you know, your, your penance, you know, for being alive that you have to excel academically and then do absolutely nothing with it It mm. just it always baffled me mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah i agree so i was i was in canada met this lovely man who was um raised catholic and i used to question him about that a lot like so you know like did you go to church every week And he's like no what no like just sometimes in the year I'm like okay but but like did they do this did you do this what about this like i was so curious about it and it just seemed so foreign to me and he was the same as well because I'd say something like, you know, well, did you guys speak in tongues? And he's like, speak in what? <laughs> like, you know, speak in tongues. <laughs> the whole time he, his reactions actually really helped me realise how crazy my religion looked from the outside. But growing up in it, I still I still yeah. felt like it was normal, right? And I think when you're in those early stages of deconstruction, even though I was like, I'm agnostic, I don't go to church, I now drink and I do all these things that the church wouldn't approve of. But I kind of think if, if the church somehow had reached out and like scooped me back in, I would have fallen back in very easily at that stage. Very easily. I think it, Mm. it, I was still, I was mad at the disconnect from the community, but I was still craving it. I really wanted that back. And I missed that and I missed the people and all of that. So I think that was a, a delicate moment and it's probably a good thing I was overseas, to be honest. And so I ended up dragging my boyfriend to uh, the local church for Christmas because I was like, it's Christmas. We have to go to church. Like if I don't go any any other time of the year, this is the one time I have to go. And he's like, why? I thought you didn't believe in God. And I was like, I don't know what mm. I believe in, but I need to. I need to go. And it was, I don't actually know what type of church it was, but they had, hymn books which was new to me um they did the type of communion where you go up to the front and you have to kneel down it was more in the catholic sort of vibe but it wasn't a catholic church
0: Mm.
1: and i remember being like okay that was weird that was not my vibe i didn't like that that i didn't like that and so we left that and i said we're not going to do that again (laughs) don't worry not doing that again so that was a big sort of like okay well all right maybe i'm not as in that mindset as I thought I was. It was a bit of a test and coming out going, huh, okay. And then when we finally got back home, my stepbrother, who was still in, and is still in the church that I grew up in, he invited me to their Christmas Spectacular. And I was like, I really don't want to go. I kind of am scared to step back in there. But he's like, please, I've I've put so much work into this. I really want you to come and support me at Christmas Spectacular. And I was like, fine. All right, I'm the elder sister. I have to, you know to do my duty so so i went along um dragged (laughs) my husband with me and this was a a huge defining moment for me because we walked in there and i looked around and was like wow this is wild this place is a full-blown stage production those speakers alone would have cost oh yeah thousands of dollars and I'm looking at it with new eyes instead of like wow how amazing God has blessed our church and given us so much it's so cool it's like I used to think of it as such a thing to be proud of now I was looking at it as like there are homeless people outside what the hell are you guys doing where is all the money that people are tithing going it's going Mm. into this production and into your pockets like it was this sudden disconnect of like this isn't what a church should be and then I watched as they, you know, opened up and they did this little, like, here's our missions project. We're going to be um, providing water to this random country in Africa, this random village. And, of course, it was lots of white people with photographs with people who were not white, and they obviously felt very proud of themselves for mm. what they're doing. And they're asking for donations for that, followed up by the tithes and offerings, which were you have to be the 10%, Right. So I'm watching this going, hang on a minute, shouldn't the tithes and offerings be going to that? Why is this an additional on top of that one? And they said how much they'd raised, and it was only a couple of thousand dollars. And I'm like, like whilst that's good, and I think it's good to be doing that. I, kn- I know you're only doing that if they let you plant a church there. I know you're only offering this if you witness to them and you are a missionary yeah. to them. And it's like this weird white saviorism. And I was like this young adult going, oh, this is not what I remember. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And so it was, that was a huge moment and I think a critical moment for realising that this feels gross, this feels yuck. And it brought up a lot of memories from when I was younger of seeing homeless people coming in asking for food or something of a church, which I think a church should be providing that, and they would say, yes, we'll feed you after you sit through the service. And I'm like, no, 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 no yep. none of that's right. Yep. None of that's right. So I think seeing this sort of like the undertones of almost like racial superiority that comes with it, right? Uh, so this white saviorism, like look how good we are, look what we're doing. Th- that mixed with they're not actually doing the right thing at all, they're just taking all this money. It was kind of, it was a big show. It was a huge show. It was all a mask. And I remember talking to my mom about it because she obviously hadn't gone back. I said, oh, I went to that Christmas Spectacular. It was horrible. Never going to that again. Um, he wasn't even in the show. He just, like, did the props or something. <laughs> I felt ripped off. <laughs>
0: awesome. Um,
1: but, yeah, I remember talking to my mom, and she said, you know, something similar, like, oh, yeah, it always kind of felt a bit funny, but she did enjoy the show aspect and she always felt God moving through her in those moments. You know, when we'd have the, the, the songs and the worship and the praise, she always felt God moving through her. Well, we've realized now that's actually
0: just, she really likes live music. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, Who hasn't
0: had a religious experience in the theater?
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think that was interesting for, for us to realize as well that the, things you feel which are proof and validation whilst you're in the church, when you come out of it, you realize you can get elsewhere and that doesn't necessarily mean it's God. Or maybe it is God, but it's just in a different aspect and it doesn't have to be done in such a different way. Do you know what I mean?
0: I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I've thought about this several times and I swear – the i i i forgot what the audio lag with australia is like um i, th- I have talked on top of you <laughs> at least eight times it's fine <laughs> um but um yeah like a uh, several things it, it's it's ama- it it's amazing to me and not how much different aspects of your story resonate like and and this happens to me over and over again, like we all have very, very different stories, but they all have some of the same points Mm -hmm. in them. And they might even look different, they might even look different, but you can just like, yep, that's the same. It's not exactly the same, but it's the same. And um, you mentioned just how, when you walked back into that environment, after what I wanted to say, in the moment was you've gotten out long enough to get like a fresh set of glasses. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Fresh perspective on what I was looking at. And you see
0: things through those new glasses. And all of a sudden, not only does it look different because it's like, you've been out, it's almost a little bit alien now.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Like
0: you're really seeing it yeah because when you're living in it when you grow up in it it's like the frog and the bull in water what you don't realize mm-hmm. like it's just it's just what it is it's just what you know and then you get out of it and you come back into it and some of it's almost violent yeah like it almost feels violent like like um i wonder how much trouble i'm going to get into with this podcast but like um I'm, i promised i wouldn't mention certain things by name just because i don't want to cause too much grief to people but Um, my kids still go to a a Christian school, um, and that's a different conversation for a different day, but, like, I get anxious when, like, they insist on starting every little thing with a prayer that goes on for, like, three minutes, Mm -hmm. and... Feels much more of a performance than it does anything else. But I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I feel like the fact that I'm not just assenting to this, Mm -hmm. like that everyone around me hate, no one's paying any attention to me. But I feel like um, that there's just all this evil eye on me because I'm not just in like, yeah, this is what we should be doing. Because I'm like, no, it's not.
1: I have to (laughs) share this with you.
0: So you get out of it. And it feels weird. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I have to share this with you. So my best friend who we met in in high school, in a Christian school, right? So she has obviously a similar experience to me in terms of she wasn't kicked out or anything, but um, has left the church and deconstructing. Now, she was requested by her mother to go to church for Christmas. So her mom's still in the like, come on, we got to go. It's Christmas. We've got to go to church. And because her mom's not well, she was like... I'll go, I'll go. This was her fresh set of eyes, right? She hadn't been, this is, this is last Christmas, right? This just happened last month. Mm. So she hadn't set foot in a church, I think, since around the time she was married, which is about eight, eight or nine years ago. So it's been a while for her. Now she's, you know, full, fully blown adult. She's in Mm. her thirties. And she sent me this photo and I have to, I have to read it out. This is what they all had to say. Like it was given to them as a thing. This is what we're going to say. Um, Merciful God, our Maker and our Judge, we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. And in what we have failed to do, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We repent and we are sorry for all of our sins. Father, forgive us, strengthen us to love and obey you. Now, she read that. Obviously, her mum was reading that as, like, oh my gosh, I've sinned. Please, you know, like she was fervently reading it. Whereas my best friend was reading it like, oh this is like brainwashing this is gross this is like saying oh i'm so bad yeah. i'm so bad i'm so bad please you're the only thing that can make me not bad and she's like this is this gives yeah. me the ick and i was like oh my gosh i 100 percent agree and that is repeated over
0: and over it's Like they took all over. the worst parts of the creeds and clubbed yeah. them together yeah <laughs> uh, you, you, you threw out all the good stuff yeah it's just like oh here's how awful you are
1: exactly Um,
0: please enjoy your holiday
1: the whole like Um. concept of you are born as a sinner is so wrong and i think that's another reason i struggled with mental health as a teen right because you just think you're inherently bad i'm bad everything i do is bad right and that as as well was then compounded by the fact you go to church and the pastors up there the charismatic pastor you know dressed in armani or whatever he was wearing saying you know doesn't matter how broken you are. It doesn't matter how, uh, the wrong things that you've done today and how often you've sinned and how, um, you know, far you've fallen from God. God is here to save you and to take you back. And it really prayed P R E Y not P R A Y prayed on folks insecurities. And at that time I was, you know, very, very depressed. I had, I was I had an eating disorder. I was self-harming. So I saw the eating disorder and the self-harm as obviously I'm sinning every single day, right? It was separate from the fact that it's a mental health issue and I was very ill. It, was, it wasn't It was seen as something happening to me. I. It was like, oh, I'm doing this. It's me. I'm wrong. I'm the sinner here. This is all my fault. I need to keep praying for forgiveness, not seeking medical treatment, just praying for forgiveness, of course. Um. So, yeah, I think that constant... Reiterating of how bad and how wrong we are, it it can make mental health worse. And then, obviously, in the church, at least my church, oh, absolutely. it was mental health is not real. What are you talking about? Just pray to God, right? So, it's a very toxic and very horrible place to be in. And if you're telling someone there's something wrong with them, the only way you're, you're basically selling them, telling them the problem, creating the problem, and then selling them solution in the same sentence, right? So it's that really gross icky marketing that the church has used for millennia now.
0: But you see, God's not interested in your happiness. He's interested in your holiness. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um no, like it's emotional manipulation. I have I, I. most of my self-harm was like mentally berating myself mm-hmm. for years and years and years and years. When, you know, basically I would, you know, there's a list of like things that I'm not allowed to do. That, you know, of course, because I know I'm not allowed to do these things and I'm constantly asking God to help mm-hmm. me not do these things. And all I'm thinking about is how to avoid doing these things. Yes. Guess what I want to do? I, I'm going to do all the. And so then it's like you do that thing and then now you have to go beat yourself for the next two hours mm-hmm. with a Bible and verses and and pray and pray and pray to get back to a point that you can go do the thing that you need to do that day. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like With... it, it's, it's um so hard. One and... of
1: the, um one of the things I'm doing this year is I'm creating a Oracle deck. And that's based on a lot of ex-evangelical themes. And one of the cards in there, because my mom's been like, pull a card from that one. I want to, Like already on that one, she's really loving it. Uh, One of the cards on there is called Cry Night. Now she saw that and she was like, "I have no idea what that is. What what is Cry Night?" And I'm like, "Oh my God! I forget how different our experiences is are because she came to Pentecostal Christianity in her twenties, so she was one of the folks who Mm -hmm. converted from Catholicism to To Pentecostal Christianity and was a born again Christian in her adult life. So she had a very different experience to me growing up in it. She never went to church camp as a child and a teen. She never did that. So, of course, she doesn't know what cry night is. She wasn't there. Church camp, there's no parents there, right? And so she'd send me off to church camp and Mm. I'd come back being like, woohoo, I went on a giant swing. It was so much fun. Yay. And what was really happening was they'd have all the fun activities during the day. I don't know if you guys had those sorts of church camps with the giant swing and the rock climbing and high ropes courses and all that. I think
0: I know where you're going.
1: Crazy trust exercise stuff. But the cry night was because every night we'd have, we'd start the morning off with like breakfast and then probably like a prayer group, then go and do fun activities, have lunch and then do some form of small group Bible study type of thing. And then have a like actual service in the evening. And on the very last night, That was the night where they would really drive it home how broken and sinful we are. And the end of that night, every single child, this is kids under the age of 18, like 13 to 18, every single child in that room, of which there was hundreds, would be on their knees, bawling their eyes out, arms outstretched, begging for God to forgive them. If you, if I walked into a room like that now, I would be like, this is child abuse. What are you doing to these children? It's emotional manipulation. It's emotional blackmail in a way. Like, you know, the fact that you also have the peer pressure element of everyone else is doing this, I have to be seen as also holy and also right with God or, you know, I might get shunned, I might get kicked out, they might say I'm backsliding. Like, There was so, there's so much, and you can't even really put it into words. It's so difficult to explain to people who haven't been through it just how that feels and all of the things that you can't even like cognitively pick up on. It's just subconscious what that person's doing, what they're thinking, what the pastor's saying, what the music is doing. It's all done in such a way to really put you into this state of um, emotional distress And then obviously you walk out of there Mm. feeling lighter because you've just had this big old cry uh, and thinking you've had this big spiritual experience when really you haven't. And it keeps you tied into that church. But it it just was such a horrible experience to look back on and horrible that at the time, like I never thought to tell my parents, oh, yeah, on the last night I bawled my eyes out and prayed to God. No, it was just like, oh, yeah, church camp was fun. So they didn't know. And when I was telling her, she was like, oh, my God. (laughs) did that happen every time? I was like, yes, every time. Like, and most, the most wow. Friday nights at, at youth group, you know,
0: I had similar experiences, but I, I never went to church. I was went to boy scout camp was where I went. Um, but, um, we did have like a lot of like, trips or weekend things where like you would stay at the church. They called it a lock-in. Mm-hmm. Um, you stay at a church for the weekend. Or we had these, uh, there was this thing they call it D now. Now it used to be called disciple. Now disciples too long of a word, I guess. Um And, um th- but we had these same things where mm-hmm. like either you were staying in a house with like a college kid who's supposed to be your leader. And, um you know, you, you know, have your uh, bear all in front of the group moments where you mm-hmm. talk about all the things that are terrible um, in your life, or or yeah, like um, there's also like the big end concert that goes along with that weekend, where you know they have the ridiculously long and painful altar call situation yep. that happens. Yeah, you know, everything has to have an altar call. You many times um, I gave my heart to but, Jesus. Like yeah. <laughs> Many, many times. many times. I was
1: baptized twice.
0: And I don't know how y- y'all are. Okay, so you did more. You, you've done multiple baptisms also. Well,
1: I think I was five um, the first time and eight or nine, maybe ten, I can't quite recall, for the second time because I felt like, obviously, I had sinned so much in between that time I had to, had to go again. Poor wow. childhood Hannah. I have so much empathy for her.
0: From five to eight or nine that's yeah. what you were thinking about.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um.
1: And I remember like every night going to sleep, <laughs> right? Terrified of the demons under my bed because that's what I was told they were lurking everywhere, right? Any thought in my mind was a demon. So the church really modifies the way that you become you become hyper aware of your thoughts, right? But then also hyper distrustful of your own intuition. They teach you not to trust yourself. They teach you not to listen to what your body is trying to tell you. And I think it sets people up for lifetimes of abuse, sexual abuse, all sorts of things that can come from from all of that. Like it's the harm is not as simple and minimal as people make it out to be. And a lot of the pushback and one of the things I'm creating this year, so I'm going to do a series of classes on, um, you know, deconstructing certain elements of Christianity. My first one's on deconstructing the rapture because that was a terrifying part of my life for so long uh, and deconstructing the, the doctrine of hell as well. But one of the things I'm really, really keen to create is a resource of responses for people who are ex-evangelical because most of the time when you become an ex-evangelical person, you're not always going to cut off your friends and family that are still in the church and you're going to come across people online and out in the world who Mm. are still in the church as well. And when you say like, no, I don't believe that anymore. Or no, I'm not doing that anymore. They come back at you with stuff and you can freeze and be like, I don't know how to respond to that. I haven't figured that part out yet. Or, Oh, this is really scary because you're like bringing up my trauma response and I don't have the, the thing here to, to, come out of my mouth what i need to say to you so i'm coming up with like a little response document of like when they say this you can say this this or this in the moment like because sometimes we need a little bit of help with with those aspects because one of those things i'm going to have on there is the god didn't hurt you people did god didn't hurt you that was just a bad church no like i want to shake yeah. people who say that and be like no 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 like you do not see the whole picture here buddy
0: <laughs> right 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 do you have a name for that yet because i think i have a name for it
1: oh what are you thinking
0: as, as soon as you started describing i was like this is this is evangelical apologetics
1: oh i like that all i had it listed as what did i have it listed as <laughs> i'll tell you because i had um right at the bottom common christian responses and how to clap back which is not really a title
0: it's it's i I like it though i Mm -hmm. like the energy of it
1: well i've utilized Um, a lot of my reels that have gone um, viral for my evangelical sentiments and i got my my assistant to go through all of the comments and anytime a christian was in there saying something like that i got her to write down those responses in a document and that's what we're working off so they don't realize but they have just uh provided me the content (laughs)
0: No that's fantastic that's fantastic <laughs> that's called productivity
1: yes <laughs> i thought it was quite clever using <laughs> it against them
0: it is it is it is um, let's see well let's see we've been going for about 53 minutes now fantastic um before we go off because we've been talking about a lot of heavy things mm. and i always like to twist the conversation a little bit more positive towards the end and we've talked a lot about christianity and i think we've talked about christianity enough Mm -hmm. um i was reading the transcript of your episode on religious trauma but um this statement really sticks out to me it said you said my witchcraft is a love letter to the little girl who felt powerless in the face of demons and the mighty force of the church. Yes, couldn't really get past that statement mm. um, without saying, "Well, I just want to talk about that." Mm-hmm. So let, let's let's talk about your witchcraft. Yeah. So before we go, I mean, again, like, obviously, tell me what that is.
1: The witchcraft came a little bit later. It started out with um, me being at work, and I used to work in. Construction And all of the girls would come to me with all of their questions. They actually called me Hannah.com for a while instead of Google. they said, oh, just go ask Hannah.com. Nice. <laughs> and I liked that. I, I really liked that. They're excellent. like, how do you know everything? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> now I know I'm just neurodivergent. But I, at the time I was like, I don't know. I just have random stuff stored in my brain. I didn't think it was useful. Apparently it is. Uh, but then things started to shift.
0: But do you own Hannah.com? Oh,
1: I wish. No. <laughs> So then things started to <laughs> shift a little bit when um, they would come up to me and just be like, oh, I'm just not feeling well today. And I'd be like, oh, that's because you, you know, something would pop out, you know, that's because you need this. And they'd be like, okay, that was weird. And it would turn out to be true, whatever had come up. And I was like, oh, I don't know how I knew that. I actually don't know how I knew that part. I know how I know the other stuff because I've read it somewhere. mm." but I don't know how I knew that. And that was a little bit of just an internal question for myself. And then it got to the point where I could hear someone talking on the phone and be like, oh, she's, she's about to have a breakdown. I need to go and get her. Uh, I'm going to go get her a, a cup of chamomile tea um, and she's going to need it sweet. And I'd go and make it and I'd just pop it down and she'd be fine. And afterwards come up and be like, how did you know? You couldn't hear what that client was screaming at me through the phone. I was like, I don't know. I just, Felt it. I could just feel that you were all tensed up and that this would help you. And they were like, I don't usually drink this sort of tea, but it it really did. And I was like, cool, great. And so then suddenly they come up to me, you know, oh, I've got a sore throat. I'm like, oh, I'll grab you my licorice tea. It's just in my locker. We have little lockers. And so then they started saying things like, oh, gosh, you're a little bit witchy, aren't you? And I was like, oh, I am a little bit witchy. (laughs) Yes, I am. And I liked that. But if someone had said to me, are you a witch? I would have recoiled. And this is like 10 years after being out of the church, but that was still too, being a witch was too scary. Being a bit witchy felt safe. I don't know why, the why just makes it safer. So I just sort of explored that a little bit and started doing things like growing my own medicinal herbs, learned how to make tinctures, uh, learned how to, which is a herbal extract using alcohol, learn how to make infusions and decoctions, which are basically like a tea and then a super strong tea and you know what all of their uses were and as i'm reading up on the uses for certain herbs i'm finding out that oh this one's also good for things like opening your third eye what is a third eye and i sort of started exploring those little things a little bit more in Mm. that sort of safe herbalism environment which felt very safe and i was making things and giving like you know here's my myself for your eczema like just take it it it'll help And I loved that. I loved the helpfulness. I loved the natural remedy stuff. I'm a little bit crunchy in that aspect. Um, It was really filling my soul in a way. Like people could come to me and I could help them. I had a solution for them. And then they started just coming up to me for asking questions like, oh, I don't know what to do about this and coming to me for advice. And so that was interesting to sort of see that and realize I really enjoyed doing that. And at the time, I'd also started dabbling with tea leaf reading. That was the first type of divination I'd ever done that felt okay because it was just tea. It's just, just a cup of tea. Oh, this is interesting. And I accidentally predicted the birth of my daughter before we knew when I thought I was completely infertile and couldn't fall pregnant, I predicted that happening. And I didn't realize it until I read back on the symbolism what I'd written and went, Oh wow, that's so cool. And so that was sort of starting to open me up in that way. And at the same time, I'm getting this voice in my head. Now this is where it gets a little bit funky because at the time I didn't want to tell anybody that I was hearing a voice in my head and it didn't sound like an external voice. It sounded like my voice. So I guess it was more a thought, a recurring thought that would say, buy a tarot deck. And I was like, no, Mm. can't do that. A demon will pop up. A portal to hell will open up. Absolutely not. Herbalism, tea leaf reading, I can get behind. But tarot, no, that is a step too far. And that went on and that went on and I could not shake it. I couldn't shake it. And I started looking at decks. I started, I never touched one, but I would look at them in shops. I would look online. I started listening to a tarot podcast, just like inching closer. And then I would always shy away. And then I'd inch a bit closer and then all two steps, you know, one step forward, two steps back. And I said to my husband, I think I need to buy a tarot deck. And he was like, "Okay, right, cool. Go buy one. I was like, oh, I can't do that. It's evil. <laughs> and he's like, okay, so don't. I'm like, <laughs> well, you're no help. Anyway, I finally got to the point where I went and purchased my first tarot deck. It's called the Shadowscapes deck. It is very pretty, very ethereal, uh, very difficult to learn with. And I didn't know that at the time. It was probably the hardest one I could have chosen in terms of learning the tarot. But it came so easily. It. It was like a walk in the park. It was, I couldn't, I can't tell you how happy it made me to be reading. I read with those cards every single damn day, every single day. They were with me 24 seven in my bag, in my car, in my pocket. I would whip them out any chance. It, people wouldn't have to say anything, but, oh yeah, do you want me to pull a card for you? <laughs> like it was just all the time, except for obviously my religious mm-hmm. friends and family. And my mum came a little bit later. It was a bit hard to, to bring up. But I was having so much fun. I was like, how could this be bad? Nothing bad's happened. No demons have popped out. This is so much fun. And now when I have friends like call me up and say, hey, I've got this issue, I'm like, hey, how about I pull a card? And it was helping them. It was helping me make decisions. It was helping my husband at mm. work. Like all of these things started to fall into place. And uh yeah, that was kind of how I fell into that. And it was almost another piece of the puzzle. I think sometimes we can mentally deconstruct but in order to fully go through it you almost have to experience the things you fear will happen and see that they don't so you have to almost do the thing that you're really scared of to realize oh that's actually not a legitimate fear that's that's been put there by the church this isn't actually wrong this isn't actually evil and then you can sort of move forward. And the church goes on and on about how you can't do divination, but then they'll preach bibliomancy, which is a form of divination, which is where you flick the Bible open and put your finger down. And, and that's meant to be a divine teaching from the God, from God for you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think when you look at how sometimes the teachings of the church are very uh, convoluted, they often go against each other. So, I think that's one aspect, that sort of mental deconstruction, but then the experiencing and realizing demon didn't actually pop out was so freeing. It was so freeing. And I have so much fun with my spirituality now. I have so much fun with my, my, what you could call religious experiences. The, those moments when I feel truly connected to, to a creator, I believe there's a creator. I don't believe it's the Christian God, those moments are so much more powerful now and the fact that I call myself a witch is very purposeful right because a I know that everything that I do everything is against the church right so I know that just my very essence and my very being is of a witch right but b I find it is empowering it's a way of saying I don't take my beliefs based on what someone has told me. My beliefs are based on what I've experienced, mm. what I've researched and what I've chosen for myself. I am not blindly following. I am almost doing like scientific, like trial and error with what works for me. And that is so empowering. And that that empowerment that comes from being a witch and being able to actually say that without fear, that's a big, you know, F you to <laughs> to the church in my eyes so that's why it's such a, a beautiful way of healing those you know those moments of fear and powerlessness that i had growing up i don't have those now they're, they're a memory that i look back on with compassion but i don't relate to any mm.
0: yeah that that's that's the beautiful thing to me that that's the beautiful part is that you know, we spend all this time beating ourselves up for not doing what we're told is holy. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of throw that off and we go do all the things that we told were were not holy. Mm-hmm. And it feels like the most holy experience yep. that you've had. And you feel so connected to source or infinite spirit, whatever you want to call I've really gotten attracted to infinite spirit mm-hmm. lately. Um, I went through a source stage uh, for a long which, time, which again, it is. Yeah, that's, that's a, and that's tangentially your fault because <laughs> you got me into the, uh, the saints and mystics reading yep. cards and, and, and that's where I found, um, Oh, why is her name? Florence Shin and I've been reading her stuff mm-hmm. and she really talks a lot about infinite source, um. Although I swear my inner skeptic is like is is coming after her right now because a lot of the stuff that she says sounds suspiciously like the word of faith movement, mm. um, and so you have to make sure that you're not falling getting back into tripped it, tripped up on the language that she uses.
1: Yeah, I find yeah, that with yeah, um, it's it's
0: it's it's really interesting.
1: There's another one. It is called the oh that US politician lady Marianne Williamson is a follower of it it's a it's like new age christianity with like a new age jesus and that course in miracles a course in miracles sometimes called acim that one trips a lot of people up especially people who were uh christian and then they come into the spiritual new age space
0: i have that book
1: you have that book okay Read that one. Don't, I would actually say don't read that one. So that was um, written alongside the man who basically created MKUltra, the brainwashing CIA thing. So Mm. there's a lot of those techniques used in there, like this lilting repetitive nature in it um it's got a lot of spiritual bypassing Mm. within it and a lot of um political apathy comes from that same with christianity in the way of like well either in that case it's like you know what um war and famine is a result of everyone not having the right mindset so i just need to have my right mindset and then my reality will change so i don't actually need to take any action steps to stop bad stuff happening i just need to focus on my brain which is bypassing a lot of stuff so um i would be wary of that book sure
0: yeah 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 interesting yeah interesting
1: that can spirituality um, do I came, a really I
0: good came across that book episode on that See, i came across that book through kevin garcia um who also kind of is he was at that same conference that i was at mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and he seems to swear by it. But a lot he of people don't say any of the things that you're saying. So, a lot of people do. So I don't know. Research into um, it.
1: Um, definitely research into it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I read everything now because, um, I'm actually capable of holding multiple ideas in my head <laughs> and, and, um, which was something we weren't allowed to do. Yep. But, um, and it was so hard. Like, like the first, probably year of trying to hold conflicting ideas in my head and being okay with it. Now it's like just life. It's Mm -hmm. just what I do. But at the time it's like, wait, no, something has to be right. Yeah. Something has to be wrong. Um, But no, um, but that, that getting through that. um, And, and then when you hear someone who is still in that dogma, Mm coming at you with that idea that no there has to be a right there yeah. has to be a wrong there has to be a true there has to be a false um i care far less about things being true now than i care about them being helpful
1: mm-hmm. yeah i can get um, behind
0: that it's like oh is this helpful to me is this helpful to the people that i care about well i don't really give a fuck if it's true
1: <laughs> Yep. <laughs>
0: Um, and, and if it's helpful, there's probably something true to it. I may just not know what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm okay with that too. I love mystery. Mystery is my favorite thing in the world now, I think it's something that was not allowed.
1: It's far healthier to be in a state of being okay with not knowing than thinking you have to have all of the answers all of the time and that there's only one answer that can possibly be right. I think that's where we get a lot of conflict from people saying, no, mine is right. Yours is wrong. Yeah. So I think that's a healthier way to be.
0: It it tends to lead to most of the places that we say we don't want to go, mm. but then we end up there anyway. Um, but that's another conversation for another day. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and close this conversation because I am getting tired. <laughs> it's late for it's you. It's <laughs> now 9.30 for me. Um, I'm usually i mean It's funny. I was I was telling my wife. I was like, "Yeah, I, I push back the podcast from eight tonight." Just like, okay, good night. <laughs> um, because we're you know usually pretty much passed out by eight thirty mm-hmm. or nine o'clock. But um, I did not want to not record this episode. I was really excited to do this one. So thank you for coming. Thank I you really appreciate me. it. And please list off the places that people can find out more about you and all the things that you're doing?
1: Absolutely. So suburbanwitchery.com is my main website to find everything. Uh, You can find me on Instagram as suburban underscore witchery. Be mindful on social media. There are people who scam and all of that. So if you're not sure, feel free to DM me. I'm happy to I'm happy to do like voice notes for people. We're like, yes, this is my real account. Like totally happy for that, but I will never DM you first. That's not my vibe. So uh, if someone does, that's not me. TikTok, um, Instagram, everywhere else pretty much is just suburban wintry, which makes it very easy. You can pretty much just Google me and I pop up everywhere. So that is fun. You can also listen to my podcast, which talks, which is on Spotify youtube apple wherever you want to find it so those are my main places and if you want to reach out with a specific question or collaboration or anything like that just suburbanwitchery@gmail.com at gmail.com is how to get in touch with
0: fantastic well awesome well thanks everyone for listening to yet another uh, deconstruction conversation and who you didn't know you were going to learn as much about witchery listening to my podcast did you well um Keep listening. There's going to be more, I'm sure. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and say goodnight from where I'm sitting, and we will see you on another episode. Stop.